Happy hump day. Welcome to another edition of the Igloo. Trying to space this out so I'm not trying to give you too much to digest all at once. So with the Gavit games officially reaching the halfway point now, but now would be a pretty good time to catch you up on what's been happening around the Big East, which includes a statement win, a couple statement wins on the women's side. And on the men's side, multiple triple-doubles. So, let's just get into what's been happening on the women's side. Interesting day, and it starts with Providence, Rhode Island. And it was a track meet early in Providence. They hung 50 on URI in the first half. And it was, Janae Crooms was phenomenal in the first half. And it seemed like Providence just couldn't miss at certain points. But URI, they willed themselves back into the game after, again, Providence's biggest lead was 10. But Rhode Island just chipped away, chipped away. And going into the fourth, the Friars led 68-63. But then the offense went cold. As they only score... Four points in the fourth quarter. URI wasn't that much better. But 11-4, that is the ultimate deciding factor. As URI would actually, you know, they would start the fourth quarter. As I'm looking here now. They started the fourth quarter on a 9-0 run to go from down 5 to up 4. Providence would eventually tie it at 72, but Maya Torre scored the winning bucket with 53 seconds left, and URI stuns Providence 74-72. And Torre led the way for the Rams with 16 points. 13 each for Dolly Cairns and Madison Haddix-Covington. Then they got 8 from Emma Squires, 7 from Sayani Lassiter. I mean, URI didn't shoot the ball well. I mean, well, okay, let me correct myself. They shot it pretty well. 31 for 68, which is right around 45%. 36% from deep, 9 for 25. I mean, Providence shot lights out from three, 7 for 10. And then 58% from the floor, 29 for 50. So inside the arc, they were 22 for 40, good enough for 55%. But big difference maker, 18 turnovers for the Friars, just 10 for URI. And the bench was really good for URI. They had five players come off the bench to combine for 17 points.
I mean, they got six from Emmy Renat, four from Aniel Dutat, a three from Sophie Phillips, and then two points each from Hawa Kamara and Ines Debra. So a very heavy foreign presence on URIs on off the bench. Janae Crooms was really good. 24 points, 11 for 16 from the floor. They got 13 from Grace Afosa, who had been quiet through the first couple of games. Narayah Scott had 8 points. Bryn Farrell with 7. 5 points from Olivia Olsen to go with 7 rebounds. Off the bench, Megan Herter came up big with 3 three-pointers for 9 points on 4 attempts. Emily Archibald, 6 points, 8 boards in 21 minutes. But in the end, not good enough. And Providence, you know, they shot themselves in the foot. 7 for 16 from the free throw line. If they make 5 five of those, they win this game by 3 points. So losing points at the line, that that hurts them. But just a little bit west to Gampo Pavilion. Top five matchup between number three Texas and now number five UConn. The Huskies make a statement. They were down one after one. But they surged ahead in the second quarter. And they closed the quarter. On a phenomenal run. I mean, they, they outscored Texas 12-5 in the final few minutes of the second quarter. Uh, f- final four minutes, 12-5 UConn. And then they really pulled away in the third as they were up 12 at the end of three. And then AZ Fudd just doing her thing. You know, breaking ankles, knocking down clutch threes to finish with a game-high 32 points. I think it's fair to say AZ Fudd, she probably arrived at a couple points last year, but obviously Paige, it was still Paige Beckers' team. But this is AZ's team without a doubt. So number five, UConn, upsets number three, Texas at home. As crazy as that sounds, 83-76 to 76 the final. And... Again, Fudd with 32, 13 of 21 from the floor, 4 for 7 from behind the arc. How about 14 off the bench from Aubrey Griffin in 26 minutes? They got 12 from Lou Lopez and Achal in 14 minutes, 4 for 7 from the floor and 2 for 4 from deep. So in her absence, Griffin was phenomenal. They... In 35 minutes, 11 points, 8 boards from Aaliyah Edwards. 6 points in 39 minutes from Dorka Yuhas, who also had 9 boards and 4 assists. Nika Mule with 6 points and 9 assists. 2 for 3 from the floor, knocked down her only 3-point attempt of the game. And then 2 points in just 4 minutes for Caroline Ducharme, who missed the opener against Northeastern. As a whole, the Huskies shot 55% from the field, 53% from deep, 8 for 15. And they also forced 18 turnovers for Texas. 
leading the way. And and by the way, I mean, both teams did not shoot free throws well. UConn was 9 for 18, Texas 10 for 20, so both at 50%. The former DePaul Blue Demon, Sony Morris, leads the way for the Blue Demon, uh, for the Longhorns, rather, with 21 points, 7 of 18 from the floor, and 5 for 10 from behind the arc. Off the bench, 13 from. <clears throat> I'm going to, I mean, say a prayer for me trying to attempt to say this. Njokalanga Mwenentanda had to sound it out there like I'm practicing the uh, for the Scripps National Spelling Bee. They got 10 off the bench from Taylor Jones as well. Now, Jones, the transfer from Oregon State. They also got 11 from Aaliyah Moore, 7 from Shea Holly, 6 points from Shaylee Gonzalez, 4 points from Deanna Gaston, and then 4 points off the bench from Amina Muhammad. So, was it a statement win? You could argue that, because, again, they f- didn't really win big non-conference games, except for Tennessee without Paige Beckers, and here they do it against the number three team in the country. In a Garden State battle, Princeton bounces back from their home loss to Villanova as they fall out of the top 25 with that loss, and they prevent Seton Hall from going to 3-0 and and also prevent themselves from falling to a losing record of 1-2. and I guess losing the number next to their name must have motivated them. Princeton wins in Walsh, 62-58. Seton Hall got off to a fast start, but Princeton was able to navigate it well. And they actually led by as many, I mean, they had an eight-point lead at one point. Seton Hall's biggest lead was six. And credit Seton Hall for, you know, fighting back and getting it to within striking distance after going down eight. And at one point, yeah, it was a two-point game with seven seconds to go. But Princeton ices the game with two late free throws. And leading the way for the Tigers, Caitlin Chen with 16 points on 7 of 14 shooting. Knocked down her only three-point attempt of the game. 12 points from Julia Cunningham. Off, I mean, the bench was really good with 17 combined points. Madison St. Rose with 8, although she was just 2 for 13 from the floor and 0 of 6 from deep. Chet and Wecky in 19 minutes with 7 points and 5 boards. But the monster stat of the night. Again, Princeton out-rebounded Seton Hall 47-37. And one of those players, Ellie Mitchell, had 23 rebounds to go along with 8 points on 4 of 12 shooting. Two points on the free throw line for Paige Morton from nearby Summit. And they got two points off the bench for Maggie Connolly in seven minutes. The weird thing about this, Princeton got to the line more and they did not shoot the ball well. They were under 30% from the field and from three. 29.6, 23.8. Seton Hall shot the ball well. 42.6%, 40% from deep at six for 15. But the... Major number in this game to look at, 21 turnovers for the Pirates, just 12 for Princeton. 
Lauren Park Lane played all 40 minutes, scored 25 points, which was the mo- her highest total this season. 9 for 21 from the field, 2 for 7 from deep. Sydney Cooks with 11 points and 8 boards, 4 assists, 2. 5 and 9 from the floor, 1 for 2 from behind the arc. Shalyn Hagens was pretty good, too. 10 points, 4 of 9 from the floor, and 2 for 3 from deep. But just 5 combined bench points for the Pirates. Only a 3 from Alexia Alesh and 2 from Shaylin Pinkney. And then back to the Stars, Maya Bembry with 6 points and 8 boards. And then just 1 point in case Satterfield fouled out as well. 9 rebounds in 18 minutes. So tough way for Seton Hall to fall to 2-1. and one. But on a more positive note, Tuesday night, Number 20, Creighton hosting number 22, Nebraska. And the Blue Jays proved that Nebraska is, in fact, a blue state with an emphatic win over the Cornhuskers, 77-51. They just continue to prove themselves early. I said that on Twitter. This team is a wagon, people. Four starters and double figures led by Molly Mogensen with 9 of 14 shooting, 4 for 5 from 3, 22 points on the night, a game high. 16 from Morgan Molly, 15 from Carly Bachelor, and 13 from Lauren Jensen to go with six boards and seven assists. I mean, five of 16 for the floor, not the greatest shooting night, but two for three from deep. The Jays were great letting it fly. 11 of 24 from behind the arc, that's almost 46%, and nearly 45% from the floor at 30 for 67 And they also play tremendous defense. They hold Nebraska to 31% from the field and under 30% from deep. And they also force twice as many turnovers. 18 Nebraska turnovers to 9 for Creighton. Leading the way for the Huskers, 14 from Jazz Shelley. A dozen from Alexis Markowski. Five from Allison Wiedner. Seven from Isabella Bourne and they held... Trinity Brady scoreless and then a combined total of 13 bench points. I mean, Creighton's bench only had six, but they were six huge points all from behind the arc from Jamie Horan, who was two for four from distance. So how about those Jays three and oh, really looking like a force to be reckoned with. I think it goes to show like this might be the most competition that UConn is facing the big East since returning, by far. One team that I really thought was going to have a chance to be a competitive team, and I had them fourth in my preseason rankings in the conference, and boy was I wrong, and I didn't want to be wrong, but DePaul, after that dominant win over American, they have now dropped back-to-back games, lost at Northern Illinois on Saturday, and then they lose in overtime to Cleveland State, a game in which... They were tied at the break and up nine going into the fourth. But it proved to not go the way they wanted it to. Cleveland State forces overtime to tie it at 76. And overtime was forced on a three-pointer with only a second to go from Carmen Villalobos. I mean, I'm, I still am not entirely sure. I mean, even if you're not in the bonus, 
I feel like you got a foul to not give him the opportunity to get a three off. I mean, I understand why you don't, why you just want to try to defend it, not do anything stupid and commit a foul on a three. But that forces overtime and Cleveland State doubles up the Blue Demons in overtime, 14 to 7. They win 90 to 83. So DePaul has shockingly fallen to 1 and 2 despite another career performance from Anissa Morrow, who had 42 points and 15 rebounds. And it sucks to have all of that go for nothing. It, it, it has to suck. I mean, she did get help from Jory Allen, Darion Rogers, and Anaya Peoples. Allen, had, Allen and Rogers had 12. Peoples had 10. But, I mean, Allen was 5 for 11 from the floor and she fouled out. Rogers was just 3 for 21 from the field and 2 for 12 from deep. Four, four boards, seven assists, like, okay, that's good. But again, the shooting percentages just didn't go in their favor. And then Peoples was four for 14 from the floor, one for three from deep, nine rebounds for the Notre Dame transfer. They only got three from Kendall Holmes in 43 minutes, four off the bench from Kiki Rimmer. I mean, and the last couple games, you know, they've been without Uh, Jade Edwards. Well, Edwards actually didn't appear at all in this game after only playing six minutes against Northern Illinois. Yeah, her absence is kind of hurting this team. And I'm just a little surprised that it's affected them that much. But anyways, to focus on the victors, Destiny Leo with 22 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 2 for 4 from deep. They got 15 from Brittany Moore, 14 each off the bench from Destiny, from Deja Williams, excuse me, and Barbara Zanuska from Poland, who was 4 for 4 from deep, 5 for 7 from the floor, 12 rebounds, which is a team high. Nine off the bench from Jordana Rizma. And seven from Sarah Guerrero from Portugal. And again, credit Cleveland State. They shot the ball. And it's crazy that Cleveland State won this game despite turning it over 26 times. And they also... Credit them for also holding DePaul to just 4 for 24 from deep and 34% from the floor. Cleveland State a heck of a lot more efficient, shooting 48.5% from the field and 47% from deep. And they went toe-to-toe on the rebounding category, 49 boards a pop. So on the men's side, first of all, quite honestly, a mortifying performance from Villanova on the heels of their loss at Temple. They were down to Delaware State at halftime. And this is a Delaware State team, mind you, that hasn't won a game against a D1 opponent since March 6, 2021. They were down three at the half against them, and Delaware State led by as many as 10. But Villanova, they just find a way to win, and they win by 10. 60-50 the final, and they started off, they missed like their first 
14 threes or something like that. But I feel like once they hit their first three, that was when they really got the ball rolling. Eric Dixon leads the way with 17 points and 7 boards, 7 of 12 from the field, 1 for 1 from deep. 15 from Brandon Slater, who was 1 for 2 only from the field, so he went, but the free throw line treated him well. 12 for 12. And as a team, they were 21 of 25. And you compare that to Delaware State, they only took 4 free throws. Granted, they made all of them, but when you go to the line more, you get more points on the board, and that makes a difference. They got seven from Jordan Longino, and by the way, I, I misspoke. I meant Jordan Longino, but I mentioned Nana Njoku um, during the Gavit Games preview, so that, that's my bad. So seven from Longino, seven from Daniels, who was just one for five from the floor, one for four from deep. Chris Archidiakono scoreless, and Villanova fans, understandably so, really frustrated with his play. You know, claiming that there's no way that he should be getting that many minutes. He played 23 in this one. And then they got seven each from Mark Armstrong and Brendan Housen. Both of them freshmen, by the way. So it's definitely a change. You know, compared to Jay Wright, who really very rarely played freshmen, you know, more than 10 minutes. I mean, just case in point, look at Javon Quinterly. But those contributions proved to make a difference. As for Delaware State, notable con- uh, contributions. 10 points was a team high for the Hornets from Kyrie Slayton, who was 4 for 8 from the floor, 2 for 4 from deep. 9 points from Brandon Stone. 6 points from Ray Somerville. Just 5 from Jevin Muniz, who was just 2 for 10 from the floor and 1 of 6 from deep. Four points from Martaz Robertson, and not bad, 16 combined points from the bench. Seven from Cameron Stitt, five from Aaron Lemon-Warren, and four from Kyle Johnson. Delaware State, again, they shot the ball much better. 44% from the field and 40% from deep. Villanova just five for 27 from deep. That's well under 20%. Well, 18.5%, that's still under 20%, and just 37% from the field. But how about our Lord's? Our overlords, DePaul, smacking Minnesota in the barn. And they led by as many as 19 in this game. Minnesota's biggest lead was only three. DePaul, by the way now, four years in a row, emerging victorious in the Gavit game. That's a streak that dates back to 2018. They beat Penn State that year at home. They beat Iowa and decimated them. In 2019, last year they beat Rutgers at home. Now they win in Minnesota. And Javon Johnson leads the way. Looks like he might be the guy on the team. 7 of 15 from the field, 2 of 3 from deep, 8 rebounds, 20 points, which was a game high. And then Umoja Gibson, who absolutely cooked a defender with like a Globetrotter-esque move or Looks kind of like an Elijah, Hakeem Olajuwon type of move in the paint where fake going up at the right, pivoted and turned around to score a floater. He had 14 points and 8 assists in this game. 6 of 14 from the floor, 2 for 4 from deep. How about Philmon Gebra with 15 off the bench in 26 minutes? He could be the X-factor for this DePaul team. 
trying to prove them themselves to be better than a bottom two finish. They most certainly have it in them. Meanwhile, Errol Penn, a double-double with 10 points and 14 rebounds. They got four each from Yorane and Deshaun Nelson. Latter of which came off the bench. They got two points only from Jalen Terry in 18 minutes. And DePaul, they dominated the glass. They out-rebound Minnesota 48-32. They also hold the Gophers to just 33% from the floor and 25% from deep. Leading the way for the Gophers, Marquette, a former Golden Eagle from Marquette, Dawson Garcia. 19 points, 6 boards, 5 of 14 from the floor, and 2 for 6 from deep. They got 12 off the bench from Pharrell Payne and 10 from Talon Cooper. They also got 6 off the bench from Joshua Ola Joseph, 4 from Jaden Henley, and just 2 points. From Will Ramberg. So DePaul started off the Big East right by winning that first Gavit game. However, it's been all Big Ten since. And it starts with Penn State barely getting by Butler. I mean, it, Penn State was in control for most of this game. And then Butler went on a spurt in the second half. I mean, but they only led by as many as two. Penn State led by as many as 16 in this one. But Penn State holds on. Butler made it a game. But Penn State barely wins. And they barely cover 68-62 in the standout performance. How about a triple-double from the Siena transfer, Jalen Pickett? 15 points, 10 boards, 11 assists. They also got 11 points from Andrew Funk and Cameron Winter. 10 points from Seth Lundy. And 9 points from Caleb Dorsey. And then 12 combined points off the bench. 6 from Miles Dredd. Who is 2 for 3 from deep. 4 points from Keba Engie. And 2 from Dalian Johnson. And Penn State, they shot the ball a heck of a lot better. Nearly 46% from the field. They also knocked down 10 threes compared to Butler's 5. And the Bulldogs were just 34% from the field and... 22-ish percent from deep. I mean, free throws did help keep help keep Butler in the game as they were 11 for 12. Penn State was just 4 for 5. And not a lot of fouls. That's something, that's refreshing. But four Butler starters and double figures. They only got five combined points from the bench, though. 16 and 10 from Manny Bates. 13 from Seamus Lukosius, who played all 40 minutes. 14 from Jaden Taylor. 11 from Chuck Harris. Only three points on one of ten shooting from Eric Hunter Jr. And again, just five combined bench points. Three in 19 minutes from Pierce Thomas and two from DJ Hughes in seven minutes. So that's the first loss of the Thad Mata era. Wish I could have gone back. I probably would have picked Penn State in hindsight. And then number 10, Creighton. I mean, Creighton drops a spot in the AP poll, but still, I mean... They looked really good against Holy Cross. They throttled the Crusaders 94-65 as Ryan Kalkbrenner hasn't missed a shot since the St. Thomas game, by the way. Only needed 20 minutes to score 22 points, 10 of 10 shooting, and also knocked down a three and a free throw. 
Arthur Kaluma had 13 points on 5 of 8 shooting and 2 for 4 from deep. As did Frederick King, who was 3 for 4 and had 5 rebounds. 13 off the bench from Ben Stolzberg in 14 minutes. 5 of 7 from the floor, 2 for 3 from deep. 8 points from Mason Miller in 21 minutes. Same with Francisco Farabeo, who is 3 for 8 from the floor and 2 for 7 from deep. Jays out rebound Holy Cross 42-27. And then let's see. Seven from Trey Alexander in 21 minutes. Six from Baylor Shireman to go with nine rebounds. All of his points came from deep where he was just two for seven and two for eight from the floor overall. Five points, 12 dimes though from Ryan Nemhard. As for Holy Cross, they were led by Bo Montgomery, who had 21 points and an 8 of 14 shooting and 5 for 6 from deep. 16 from Gerald Gates. 7 of 16 from the floor, knocked down his only three-point attempt. You know, I credit, you know, Holy Cross shot the three ball well. 47% compared to Creighton. Granted, Creighton made more threes at 12 to 8, but they took 32 attempts compared to Holy Cross's 17 but big difference, Creighton inside the arc was 25 of 32. That's well over 75%. Anyways, most points off the bench, Nolan Dorsey with eight for the Crusaders. They got five from Jade C, four from Austin Lewis, back to the starters, five from Michael Rabinovich, Four from Caleb Kenny, and then just two points on one of six shooting from Will Batchelder. So Creighton now three and zero, and now they got one more tune up though before they go to Maui. And then last night, loaded slate across the Big East. Providence and an early tip five o'clock Eastern on FS2, part of a triple header on the network. Providence was up eleven at the break, and they pull away and win in a shootout, and they hit the century mark in this game. They beat Stonehill at the AMP 100-76. to It was a well-balanced effort for the Friars. Six players in double figures, including four starters. 16 each from Bryce Hopkins, Ed Croswell, and Clifton Moore. They got 14 from Devin Carter and Noah Locke. 10 off the bench for Jaden Pierre. And then the low-scoring starter was Jared Bynum. Although he did have four assists, seven points, two of eight from the floor, one for three from deep. They also out-rebounded Stonehill 40-19, to so they more than doubled them up. I mean, they also got a three from Corey Floyd Jr. and then a bucket each from Rafael Castro and, Al- and uh, also two free throws from Alan Breed. Both teams shot it well. Providence 53.7% from the field. Stonehill was right up there with them at 53.4%. Both teams knocked down 10 threes. Providence did on 19 attempts to shoot over 50% from range. Stonehill just under 50% at 10 for 21. But Providence got to the line a whole lot more. 18 for 21 compared to 4 for 7 from Stonehill. Leading the way for Stonehill... 15 off the bench from 
Shamir Johnson. They got 14 from Max Zigorowski, a dozen from Thatcher Stone, 11 from Andrew Sims, 10 from Isaiah Burnett. I mean, the big difference, Providence's bench scored 33 points and the bench for Stonehill, I mean, still a respectable number, 27 points. They also got seven off the bench from Josh Mack. Three points from Ethan Muser. And two from Nathan McGill. So the Friars now 3-0 as they now gear up for the Hall of Fame Classic in Mohegan Sun. Well, it was even 1-1 in the Gavit games heading into last night, but it was a Big Ten sweep, and it started with Northwestern going on the road and beating Georgetown. Georgetown led by two at the break, and something that Georgetown, just they just got to learn to improve on. When they face teams that are a lot better than Coppin State, let's put it that way, they need to learn how to close out games better. They got outscored by 14 in the second after, after leading by two at the break. And Northwestern led by as many as 15. Wildcats win 75-63. And it was a pretty balanced effort. Led by 17 from Chase Audige in 27 minutes. 6 of 16 from the floor and 4 for 9 from deep. And the big thing with Georgetown, I know they only give up 75 points, but like... They, they didn't defend well overall. I mean, I mean their three-point defense looked porous in this game, and they also didn't rebound well at all. Northwestern out-rebounded them 48-31. to And you know, again, I think the big thing is, you know, the three-point defense in the second half, throughout the game really was just not good. And not to mention, I mean, don't even get me started on that sequence in the first half, about halfway through, where there were like at least three or four turnovers on it. Anyways, Boo Booey had 12 points. You know, honestly, I probably should have picked Northwestern in hindsight as well. He had six assists as well, five for 15 from the field, two for six from deep. Robbie Baran with 11 points. It was 3 for 6 from deep to go with 7 rebounds. 9 points from Ty Berry. Only 2 points from Titus Verhoeven as he was in foul trouble. Only played 18 minutes while picking up 4 fouls. 9 each off the bench from Matthew Nicholson and Brooks Barnheiser. And then 6 points from Julian Roper II. Northwestern knocks down 14 threes compared to just 7 for Georgetown. Leading the way for the Hoyas, Primo Spears with 22 points and 6 dimes. 9 of 20 from the floor, from the floor 1 of 4 from deep. 10 from a cook, a cook, and then Jay Heath in his season debut. He just got his waiver yesterday, uh, the day before the game. The Arizona State transfer looked pretty good in his debut. Played 30 minutes off the bench. Scored 13 points, 5 and 9 from the floor, 2 for 4 from deep. He definitely looked like he provided a spark. I 
I mean, Akuka Cook, like I mentioned, at 10 points, 3 of 5 from the field, and 2 for 4 from deep. Kudus Mahab only played 19 minutes and scored 6 points. 5 from Bryson Mazzone, as well as Brandon Murray. And Murray didn't get his first make until late. 1 of 10 from the field, 1 for 6 from deep, and then they got an emphatic dunk off the bench in 8 minutes from Jordan Riley, who also had 4 rebounds. So Northwestern, now 3-0. Georgetown falls to 2-1. And, and I mentioned triple-doubles. Two on the men's side on Tuesday. As number 25 UConn now in the rankings. By the way, Villanova now ranked on the women's side. They are at number 24, essentially taking the team they beat spot, which is which was Princeton. But UConn now number 25. They beat Buffalo 84-64. to Led by Tristan Newton, who had that triple-double. 22 points, 10 boards, and 11 assists. I mean, the shooting number wasn't great. 4 for 14, but he was 14 for 17 from deep, which is pretty darn good. But triple-double no matter what, it looks great no matter what. They got 12 from Naheem Aline, 11 from Adama Sonogo, who knocked down another 3, and that was his only attempt from deep. Alex Caravan with 10 points. Only three from Hassan Diara in 16 minutes. But off the bench, how about Joey Calcaterra with 15? Six of nine from the floor, three for five from deep. Donovan Klingen with 11 points and eight boards in 18 minutes. No surprise, the Huskies out-rebound Buffalo by 13. Didn't shoot well from deep. Didn't really shoot well from the floor, but... I mean, they did get to the line more. They took 28 free throws, made 22 of them. And for Buffalo, two players with 11 each. Those were Armani Foster and Kadrell Blocker, the latter, which came off the bench. I mean, the bench probably made more of a difference for the Bulls in this one. 32 points from the bench. and they But they played a lot more players. I mean, they got nine from Isaac Jack, eight from LaQuil Hardnett, and four from Devin Caesar. And then, again, they got 32 from the bench, 32 as well from the starters. Again, Foster with 11. Seven from Isaiah Adams. Six points each from Curtis Jones. And then Seton Hall transfer, Joe Smith. And then just two points on one of 10 shooting from Zid Powell. So the Huskies now 3-0 and as you know, they win it at the XL Center. St. John's, kind of like they did in another one of their games. I mean, let's first of all, against Merrimack, they turned it over nearly 30 times. I It took me a week to even acknowledge that, so not good on my part. But St. John's only led Central Connecticut by four at the break. And Central Connecticut is supposed to be one of the worst teams in Division One. But the Red Storm, they eventually pull away after only leading by four at the break. They win 91-74. to Pretty well-balanced effort, I would say. A.J. Storr, the freshman, leads, leads off the bench with 16 on 6 of 10 shooting and 4 for 5 from deep. As a whole, the Red Storm were 55% from the field. And 8 for 22 from deep. Out-rebounding the Blue Devils 37-25. Got 15 from David Jones, 13 from Montez Mathis, a dozen to go with five five boards and six assists from Posh. 
Nine points, five boards from Joel Soriano. Six points, five dimes from Andre Curbelo, who was just three for five from the field. Pretty efficient night for the Illinois transfer. Nine for Dylan today, Wusu off the bench. It seems like the bench is a role that he seems accustomed to and is excelling at. So I credit Mike Anderson for not putting him in the starting lineup and just letting him do his thing and be efficient as a bench player. And then they got six off the bench from Omar Stanley, who was three for four from the floor. And they also got a three from Colby King in 11 minutes. And a bucket in eight minutes from Rafael Pinzone. And, I mean, to their credit, St. John's looking much better protecting the Rock. Just seven turnovers in this one. Leading the way for the Blue Devils, 16 from Nigel Scandlebury. 14 from Kellen Amos. By the way, Central Connecticut knocked down 10 threes on 27 attempts. And the Red Storm allowed him to shoot over 50% from the floor. So, yeah, if anything, St. John's defense has a lot of improving to do. And I don't think it's really been a calling card for the Red Storm under Mike Anderson by any stretch of the imagination. Probably hasn't been even a calling card under even Chris Mullen and Steve Lavin to an extent. Meanwhile, nine for Abdul Momo and off the bench, nine from Devontae Sweatman. And then eight each from the other starters, Andre Snotty and Jay Rogers. Uh, You look at the bench totals. 36 combined points from St. John's bench. 19 from Central Connecticut. So the Red Storm are now 3-0. Yet all their games have been at Carneseca. So they're 3-0 with that victory. Now, in the second leg of the Gavit Games doubleheader Tuesday night, Purdue knocks off Marquette, but it didn't come without difficulty. Marquette looked really good in this game, and they seemed in control. They led by as many as nine in this game. I mean, their biggest lead again was 58-49 with right around halfway through the second half. But Purdue closes the game, outscoring the Golden Eagles 26-12, and there was a sequence, I'll point this out from Marquette Twitter, where you had... Tyler Kolek get a steal and in transition didn't go up strong with it. Instead, kicked it out for a three that missed. They get a second chance. They take another three that misses. And they had a chance to stick it to the Boilers. And they just couldn't. And I'm trying to find when that exact sequence was. Let's see. I think it was right around the eight-minute mark. And they had three chances. Really, yeah, three chances at it. With Chase Ross missing all three shots. And, you know, that was kind of the story of the game. You know, missed a lot of point-blank looks. And Purdue capitalized. So the Boilers win by five, 75-70. I mean, credit Marquette, they put up a, a last-second fight after Purdue looked like they were running away with it, and he, looks like they were heading to Covertown. 
But but really, I mean, it was the Zach Eady at Braden Smith show. 20 for each of them. Eady with 13 rebounds and three block shots, by the way. 8 of 11 from the field and 4 for 5 from the line. Braden Smith was electric in the second half. 20 Again, 20 points, 27 minutes played, 6 of 8 from the floor, 3 for 4 from deep, 5 for 6 at the line. They also got 10 off the bench from David Jenkins, 9 from Fletcher Lawyer, the freshman, 5 from Ethan Morton. I mean, Mason Gillis was held scoreless, but again, Jenkins played big minutes. They got 7 points from Brandon Newman. And a, and a bucket each from Trey Kaufman, Wren, and Caleb First. And First had the emphatic dunk had in, in the second half as part of that big run. So Marquette, they, again, they lose this game despite, you know, they out-rebound Purdue. They do, and it was a pretty clean game, but Marquette committed some more turnovers. Eight to Purdue, six. And But again... Purdue shot it more efficiently, 48% from the field, 33% from deep. And Purdue also got to the line more, 18 free throws compared to Marquette's 7. Marquette was just 11 for 35 from deep, 27 of 72 from the field, so held to just 31% from deep and under 40% from the field. David Joplin, though, had a team high, game high, 21 points to go with 9 rebounds, 7-11 for the field. Five for seven from behind the arc. They got 19 from Cam Jones, who knocked down five three-pointers as well, but on 12 attempts. Six of 14 from the floor. Six rebounds for the sophomore. Ten from Osubi Gadara to go with five boards and five assists. Tyler Kolick, you know, stuffing the stat sheet again. Eight points, six boards, 11 assists. Four for 14 from the floor in 39 minutes. Just four points for Omax Prosper. Five rebounds in 27 minutes. Six points from Stevie Mitchell, and then the only other player other than Joplin to score off the bench, that was the aforementioned Chase Ross, who only had two points on one of five shooting. And he was 0 for 3 on that one possession that I mentioned. So Purdue, victorious over Marquette. So now the Gavit Games lead is up to 3-1 Big Ten. But rest assured, again, keep in mind, I know it's been disappointing considering how well the Biggies did. They were up 4 nothing to start it off. It was 4 nothing. Now it's 3-1 Big Ten. Everyone take a breather because the Big East has, out of the final four games, three of them are, are on Big East home court. With Seton Hall hosting Iowa, St. John's hosting Nebraska, and Xavier hosting now number 12, Indiana. Speaking of Xavier, they beat Fairfield, but it wasn't pretty early on. They were down two at the break. The Stags led by as many as 10, but Xavier, they turn on the Jets in the second half. They outscore Fairfield 43-28 in the second half and pull away to get to 3-0 and send Fairfield down to 0-3 with a 78-65 win. Jack Nungy, really good in this game. 23 points, 7 rebounds. 21 from Adam Kunkel to go with four three-pointers made, 8 of 13 from the field. And he took eight threes, by the way. 
played 33 minutes. But I think the story of the game has to be, speaking to triple-double, Zach Fremantle. 15 points, 13 boards, 10 assists. 6 of 13 from the floor. So the senior from Teaneck, New Jersey, joins Tristan Newton as Biggie's players with a triple-double on Tuesday. I mean, Kiki Tandy only had two points in 18 minutes. Had a really good-looking assist at one point as well. One of three dimes for Tandy. And then the only player to score off the bench, that was Desmond Claude with six points. And by the way, uh, no Colby Jones in this one. He was seen in a walking boot, which obviously it's a bummer for Xavier. You hope that it's nothing serious. Now it seems like, okay, we doubt he'll be ready for Indiana if he isn't a walking boot. You know, if he's in a walking boot, I mean, what's the likelihood that he'll be ready to play in three days? I don't know. X was pretty good from the field, shot well over 52.6% from the field and nearly 44% from deep. And the defense... You know, they clamped down on them in the second half. They zipped them up, as they would say. They hold the stacks to 36% from the field, 7 of 24 from deep. That's just a hair under 30%. Leading the way for the Stags was let's see, as I'm trying to pull up the roster. Supreme Cook, great name. 19 points. In 25 minutes, they got 14 from Caleb Fields. Eight points from TJ Long. Seven from... Alan Jean Rose. And then off the bench, they got eight. From Zach Chrysler. And then it's actually ridiculous how the ESPN happens. It just redirects to... Because they they apparently don't have player pages for some of these guys. Jalen Leach had four points, I believe. And then they got a three... From James Johns, and then just two points from Chris Mado. So that's what's happened over the past couple days. So let me just reiterate one more time again. The Big East has three of the final four gather games on home courts for Big East teams. Again, Seton Hall hosts Iowa. St. John's got Nebraska at home, and Xavier, I mean, I'm a little more shaky picking them after, you know, I we discovered that Colby Jones was in a boot and he might not play Friday night now. That could help Indiana out. Again, they have a preseason All-American in, in the form of Trace Jackson Davis. So, by the way, I just wanted to add a couple... Uh, one more pick on the women's side. Uh, Friday, Georgetown's going to host Cal State Fullerton. I think Georgetown's going to win this one and get to, in my mind, uh, three and uh, three and one. 
Right. And then, you know, when... Uh, by the, and as I'm fumbling over my words, like it's nobody's business. I'm going to try to make some predictions for, um, again, there's two tournaments uh, starting this weekend um, for Feast Week. Georgetown's in the Jamaica Classic at 4.30 Eastern on CBS Sports Network as they take on Loyola Marymount. The Lions are currently 2-2 two and two with wins over... Life Pacific and UC Davis losses at home to UC Riverside and then at UC Irvine. So they haven't left the state of California yet and they've played all California teams. I think it's going to be a culture shock. I think Georgetown, I think they're going to learn from this defeat at the hands of Loyola. Excuse me, at the hands of Northwestern. And they will bounce back in my mind with a victory over Loyola Marymount on Friday to start the Jamaica Classic, and then they're going to play either LaSalle or Wake Forest. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to look too far ahead because, to be quite honest with you, I think Wake Forest is going to win, but, you know, you never know. Some of these tournaments can get weird. And then in the um also I want to mention UConn Friday night back at home Taking on UNC Wilmington at Gamble Pavilion. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. The Huskies will beat the Seahawks. And then back to Feast Week stuff. Bahamas Championship. DePaul in action at 9.30 Eastern. Taking on Santa Clara. The Fighting Steve Nashes. Who are currently 2-1. Lost at Utah State. But have wins over Eastern Washington and Georgia Southern. I think DePaul's in a really good position. I got them beating Santa Clara to start that tournament. Now, who will they get after that? Well, it'll either be UCF or Oklahoma State. So, I feel like you're going to get a, a decent opponent no matter what if you're DePaul. If they can come out of there still unbeaten, then they are in a very good position. So, that is going to do it finally for this episode of the Igloo. I know this is a long one, and there were a lot. I'm shocked by how many games there were over the past couple days. But anyways, I'll be back on Saturday to try to recap it all. Maybe even Friday, but we'll see. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time.